0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to uh, discuss a couple of things before we dip it, our toes into the Extinction Agenda. We got a couple of things to wrap up, one of those being X-Men Spotlight on Starjammers. There's two-part limited series. X-Factor Prisoner of Love it's graphic novel. Uh, Marvel Comics Presents 55 because, you know. Not because, why not?
1: <laughs> you 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 said Star Jammers wrong. We'll get to that. Okay. I'm not
0: going to let this episode go by without me saying Star Jammers
1: correctly at some uh, point. Okay. F-
0: fair I'm enough. I'm not going to do it every time, though. you got <laughs>
1: to save your moment. No, no. I just, I just let it go. Get it out of the way. Spotlight Star Jammers, issue one of two, 64 pages. It's very... Um,
0: dense Yeah, no, it's like one of those it's 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 like an old four-parter X-Men style thing where you have chapters.
1: Mm-hmm. I bet you when this came out, it probably came in that sort of like prestige hardbound sort of square book binding type thing. Maybe. I might be wrong, but I have no
0: idea. I've never seen a copy of this thing.
1: No, me neither. Me it's interesting, though. You know, to do a spotlight on Starjammers. I wonder if they were going to do like a, you know, spotlight on the Hellfire Club, which I think would have been far more interesting. <laughs> I I wonder a lot about how this came along
0: or how long this has been. Like, this doesn't appear. This could take place in any time of continuity, but it has to. It has to be released now because the this professor is about to return to Earth. So the whole Star saga is going to end. Yeah. But there's no clue of when this idea came into place. Like, mm-hmm. somebody approached Dave Cockrum. Is he the genesis of this whole
1: thing? Oh, maybe. Yeah, this could definitely take place, continuity-wise, anywhere between issue 200 and, like, 284. Right. <laughs> because there's no X-Men in it. Um, it's got Star Jammers, and it's got The Professor... It's got Lilandra. Spoilers, it's got Deathbird. But it doesn't even have, like, your favorite um, Sh- Shi'ar guard, like like Guardian. That's his name, right? The guy with the mohawk that's kind of like Superman? Yep. Yeah, it doesn't have any of those people. Well, it is a two-parter, so... No, oh, that's true. They you know, could show I, up.
0: I, I don't know if anybody is in the second part, because we, we're only going to cover the first part in
1: yeah. this episode. And that was enough. The <laughs> other interesting thing is that... You know, it's x Men's Spotlight on Starjammers. Uh, and the writer is Terry Cavanaugh, which I thought was interesting. Like, shouldn't this be a Dave Cockrum, Chris Claremont joint? I, Chris
0: Claremont, just didn't want to have anything to do with it. Or, or maybe he was busy, felt like he couldn't handle it. Or Dave Cockrum really uh, wrote it and wanted to work with Terry Cavanaugh to fill in the, the things. Who knows? I mean, it could be anything. could be
1: none of those. Sure. Just, just, just interesting you figure like you know you remember seeing that first issue of uh a legend is born the star jammers and you know how we theorized that chris claremont's like Ooh, i got this cool band of space pirates and they're gonna be the next best thing and you know they didn't really go anywhere and here we are like okay we're gonna spa- a, a spotlight on the star jammers where is the creators later?: yeah. Well, after you
0: would assume it would have come out like at this point, does anybody remember who the Starjammers are?: uh, Yeah, no, probably not. Um, it's been how many years since their heyday in the issues of Uncanny X-Men?
1: What issue are we on, like just in general at this point? I guess as of the release of this issue, like 260 something? Two
0: sixty nine. Yeah, we're we're in the two two seventy is I believe the first extinction agenda. So we're
1: okay. So it's been it's been seventy issues. Um, you know, roughly dividing that, that by twelve, call it. I guess it's been five years. Wow. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, this feels this feels like a Dave Cockrum thing to me because. Dave Cockrum probably created all of these characters. Oh, sure. Designed all of these characters, uh, perhaps worked with Chris Claremont in the creation of said characters. Sure. The, so I don't know. if How much power does Dave Cockrum have? Does he come to Marvel and say, I want to do a Starjammers two-parter? And they go, uh, okay. <laughs> or is it Marvel coming to Dave Cockrum and like, we got this idea for a Starjammers thing and we thought it would be fun to bring you back as the creator of the
1: Starjammers. Yeah maybe who knows um i was instantly struck by the cover of this and i was like boy this looks familiar yeah and uh i i, had, you... I googled it and you know it wasn't very hard to figure out that it is an homage cover to X, uncanny x-men number 156
0: what happens in 156
1: i think that's the yeah it's enter the star jammers so, okay, so it's... this is the issue in which uh, Colossus was stabbed through the chest, and then they get beamed up by uh, Shi'ar people, and that's where we meet. We've already met Corsair. He's already been on Earth, but now we're meeting the rest of the crew, the Starjammers, okay. if you recall that particular issue. Oh, God, no. And this was also, I think, the issue where we learned of Scott and Alex getting tossed out of the airplane and sort of the fate of Corsair's wife, Scott's mother, and, and really sort of kicked off the X-Men in space uh, with the those alien dudes. What are they called?
0: That's where the professor starts walking again, has an affair with Lilandra.
1: He can't walk in this issue, but he definitely falls in love with Lilandra somewhere around here. And, uh, so this cover and issue, uh, 156 was drawn by Dave Cockrum. So, you know, it all all sort of, uh, connects. I would say that I prefer the X-Men 156 cover over, over this spotlight cover. But why is that? Well, I don't know, probably (laughs) because I've seen it more like, for example, um, everybody's sort of lined up in the same pose. Uh, some people are, are moved into different orders and, for example, on the cover of 156 you've got Cyclops and Storm uh, as the only X-Men on the cover. And so in the spotlight, which I don't have in front of me cuz I'm looking at this cover, you've got uh two Starjammers. But Chode is like he's got like um um what are those things? Scale? He's got like he's all scaly and he's got bumps and he's got lines on his fins and stuff. Like there's a lot more detail to his character on the
0: 156 cover.
1: Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I probably it's probably because I owned this issue and I looked at it a lot. OK. Um, I'm, I'm not judging. I'm just curious. That being said, like the the spotlight Star Jammers covers not bad, not bad at all. It's it's Dave Cockrum. It's, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, yeah. it's good. It's, it's
0: I'm not sure if I would buy this if it was on the shelves uh, back in the day, probably because I wouldn't know who the Star Jammers were. Um, partially because space pirates are lame. Um.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I don't know.
0: It's like, whoever thought space pirates was a good idea, and has there ever been a version of space pirates that is good? I guess you could argue that Guardians of the Galaxy is probably the best representation of space pirates, but I wouldn't really call them pirates. Han Solo. Yeah, I guess he's considered a pirate. He's of a sort.
1: He and he's Chewbacca of smuggler. are are pirates. They're
0: smugglers. That's true.
1: Uh, uh, pirates. I would, yeah. Pirates board other ships, take their booty, and uh, I guess either use it for themselves or give it to the poor. The Starjammers mm-hmm. here, their their whole motivation, I think, at least in the beginning, is to rob from the rich and give to the poor, or something like that. So they're really more like space cowboys, space like Robin space, Hoods,
0: space Robin Hoods. Yeah. <laughs> what is what is Robin Hood identified as? Space? He's an outlaw. S- space outlaw. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: fair enough. I don't know.
0: Antihero. They've, they definitely identify with pirates pirates a lot in this issue.
1: Um, I just don't think pirates are cool anymore. I don't know that they ever were in my lifetime. What about uh, the current run of Marauders where Kitty is a pirate? That works because it, they don't overplay their hand of the whole pirate
0: thing. Sure, sure. They're They're just really focusing on what Kitty and her crew are doing more so than – them being pirates
1: what about the first pirates of the caribbean never liked it what oh okay so,
0: so I, I i do i like the pirates of the caribbean movies um the, the, the three of them that, not the fourth one uh, uh and i and i like them in the way that you put on a movie and you kind of veg out and don't really watch it and you know just kind of have it on and it, it gives you that warm comfortable feeling of this is a movie. This is what it does what movies are supposed to do. But other than that, it never I like the second one better than the first one.
1: I don't really remember the second one. I remember uh liking the first one. I remember liking how Johnny Depp portrayed the pirate and just all of his weird accent eccentricities.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't I guess yeah, I don't know. Pirates.
1: <laughs> so, the, yeah.
0: There's got to be an exception to the rule. There's got to be some sort of space pirates or regular pirates that I'm like Oh, those are cool. Like I like uh, I like the um, Monkey Island series of video games, but those oh, are kind of making sure. fun of pirates. What about Ice Pirates? I don't I don't know any. But that, doesn't that movie have Jim Gina Davis in it? I don't remember. Not Jim Davis. Jim Davis is the creator of Garfield.
1: I, I don't ice, know. It, it is a movie, right? It is is a movie. Yeah. I and I assume because Ice is or Pirates is in the name that there are pirates in it, and I think it's like a sci-fi movie.
0: Or is it just something that you see on ice?
1: Pirates on ice ice pirates the cover was pretty cool i don't think i've ever actually seen the movie and why would you (laughs) uh i don't know because there's like i'm looking at the cover now and there's like a there's like a giant two-wheeled vehicle with a skull on the front there's ferocious space possums an evil emperor and his bird i don't know man it even proclaims on the cover see great special effects that's always a good sign (laughs) yeah I, I kind of want to watch this movie now because, you know, it's one of those kids or one of those movies that uh, always came up uh, as I was a kid. Either it was on TV or I'd see it at the rental place, but I never watched it. Well, now that we've talked about it for so long, you have to watch it. Yeah, I know. Pot committed You have this to point. try to convince me to watch it and then I'll, I'll, I'll like be, oh, no, I'm going to pass. That might be rough. C, a universe on the rocks. And there's like there's an ice tray that's upside down flying through space, dropping ice cubes on, on our female lead. It could be great. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's like that takes itself
0: uh, not not seriously in a way that it's fun.
1: I don't know. Then there's another bit here that says, "See space herpy, the love bug." I don't know how I feel about that. What? Yeah, (laughs) space herpy, H E R P I E, and I can't tell. There's a there's like a robot with a bow tie in the foreground and then behind him on his shoulder is like this like monkey looking thing. And I don't know if the foreground robot guy is space herpy or if the monkey guy is space herpy. Is it space herpy? No, it should be. <laughs> it's herpy. Okay. Yeah. I bet you this uh, movie's dumb. <laughs> the plot thickens. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with like really dumb, but now I'm intrigued. <laughs>
0: Well now you have to watch it. By by the end of this year, that is your homework.
1: All right. I'm I'm on it. I'll it, make that happen. Know,
0: maybe just the first twenty minutes.
1: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Never start a movie and, and don't stop it. Oh, all the time. Anyways, uh yeah, Pirates. I don't know. Tell us about who who worked on who worked on the Star Dreamers. Oh, well, I don't know because there's no credits in the comic, but based oh, on Oh, you're doing it on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. Okay.
0: I'll do it then. Perfect. Um, Terry Kavanaugh wrote it. Dave Cochran penciled it. Is it Kavanaugh
1: or is it going to be Kavanaugh?
0: I don't know. Who was the guy that just uh, became a Supreme Senator or no, wait, Supreme Court. Brett
1: Kavanaugh, uh, not Brett Kavanaugh.
0: Is that uh, is this spelled the same? I
1: don't know. I think so.
0: Matt Damon was funny as him. <laughs> um, yes. Jeff Albrecht is the inker. John Wilcox is the colorist. Augustine Mass moss is the letterer jeff albrecht returns to do the logo design kelly corvice not corvettes is the assistant editor mark grunewald is the editor tom defalco is the editor-in-chief so bob harris not editing this is kind of even outside of the the x universe
1: i sort of wonder if it's even in like technical continuity presumably
0: it happened sure i guess i guess the 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 key signature of that is, do they ever speak of these things again?
1: There's no need to. So I'm
0: going to go. Well, not in in part one. I mean, part two could be a major things could happen. Who knows? Maybe Cyclops shows up and gets killed and then resurrected. You'd think he would talk about that again. Yeah. If it happens. Sure. I bet it does.
1: Probably doesn't. So, uh, it was two weeks ago that I read this thing and I didn't want to read it when I was reading it. <laughs> um. So and there's a lot of panels and a lot of words. So Adam, so, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let you lead here, and I might just jump in here from time to time. So what I did to make this interesting for myself? I'm just gonna phone it in here.
0: Yeah, so that was it, totally interesting. It's it's very much a '70s style co- uh, comic book, which is I wonder if that's why Chris Claremont had nothing to do with it is because he was he didn't want to do a retro style comic book.
1: You're he right. It is, the whole thing does definitely have, like, a 70s feel to it. And not only that, like, there's, there's like, no 90s about this comic at all. And I think that's done on purpose. Sure.
0: So, either it was actually done in the 70s, which probably isn't mm. true, because that wouldn't make any sense. Um, or it was done to have that specific sort of feel, and it was done somewhere in the 80s. Sure. Between... 1990 and 1985.
1: Maybe somebody it was, thought it would be a cool thing to have a throwback.
0: I, I'm assuming that would be Dave Cochran. Yeah, i buy that. And, and I bet Terry Cavanaugh was on board and was like, hey, that sounds cool. Yeah. Let's do a 70s style comic book. I did a lot yeah. of blow in the 70s. Let's do this thing. <laughs> and the uh, so, so I'm reading it and I'm kind of like, I, I was like you. I was like, oh, man, this is <laughs> a slog getting through this. And at some point I just decided, you know what would make this more fun? If this was a, if this was, this was like a audio broadcast, um, do you ever listen to like, uh, I don't know, those Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxies audio CDs or, uh, radio snippets? Because Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy started out as a radio show, right? Uh, yeah. So I'm told. You've never, you've never listened to it?
1: I have listened to the Hitch. no, I listened to Restaurant at the End of the Universe book on tape
0: not the same thing it's still interesting though it is the, the books on tape depending on which version you got are some of them have like full cast
1: oh the one I recall did not have a full cast but it was, it was one just, guy kind of doing like a whole bunch of different little little voices and stuff I listened to that thing over and over and over and over was again
0: it was it the Douglas Adams one or somebody else
1: it was not Douglas Adams reading I don't know who was reading okay on on cassette. Awesome. Ah, yeah. so this was
0: a long time ago. Oh yeah, this is probably pre Douglas Adams reading them.
1: And I've seen the BBC adaptation, so I don't think I've ever listened to the original radio broadcasts. That would be interesting. So the BBC
0: uh, version, the the live action BBC version, mm-hmm. has most of the same actors that were in the radio drama, so okay. you know you'd recognize a lot of their voices. Okay. Um. Anyway, that's like I I was trying to come up with a good example of like something that you would recognize as a radio drama. Obviously that doesn't do it cuz you've never watched it.
1: I listened um, to the War of the Worlds broadcast.
0: Uh the just vinyl. the one the, the uh, Orson Welles one. Yeah. Okay. That
1: does that does that have multiple actors or is an
0: Orson Welles is just the narrator?
1: Well, side or one did, is Orson Welles doing the broadcast and doing all the descriptions. Side two actually has like a play that that occurs of the people on the ground, oh, but okay. but if you recall, like everybody was so freaked out at that point that they weren't even listening to the rest of it. They just thought aliens were descending upon us.
0: I seem to recall there being articles about how all of that stuff is fabricated.
1: It very well could be, cause but
0: he, I don't. I don't know. Maybe those articles are fabricated.
1: <laughs> Everything's but, fabricated.
0: Yeah, you know who knows who knows what the truth is. You know what, I'm Adam? The, the, the Earth QAnon is... doc on HBO now, and uh, yeah, it's just like. Uh, Interesting.
1: I was just going to tell you that because I've not seen the Earth from the moon, there's no way that I can understand or prove that the Earth is round. Therefore, it's flat. That's a possibility. No, it's not just a possibility. It's real.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you have to accept that the possibility exists
1: that it could also be a square. No. That just doesn't, that's stupid. That doesn't even make any sense, Adam. Anyways. Or, or it's just
0: a, uh, an infinity symbol,
1: oh, yeah. stretching in on itself. That, yeah, so you you imagine that this was a radio play, and as you so were imagine, reading it,
0: I imagine this was a radio play, and I imagine everybody with different voices. And I was like, we should do, we should we should rewrite this whole thing and make it into a radio play and get our listeners involved and oh do like some sort of crazy radio drama. And then I was like, yeah, that's going to be a lot of work, but I it helped me get through the reading of the issue, so it served its purpose.
1: Okay, because there is a lot of dialogue here.
0: There's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of different characters. So there's a lot of kind of uh, fun to be had. And if you if you just imagine it as audio only, which I guess is tough to do when you're reading a comic book, it, it kind of flows better.
1: Um, yeah, I suppose. And maybe if you take The Professor and Sikorsky and you give them like old-timey radio announcer voices. Uh,
0: it's the world is your oyster, man. You do what you want. <laughs> you do you. Yeah, exactly. So... It starts out um, where the Starjammers are being attacked. I think. I'm sorry. The who? Um, not yet. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know when, but not yet. <laughs> All right. Um, there's got to be a moment. I may not. Ju- I might just not do it. Oh my
1: God! I'm Maybe not. You've got to do it. I'm not going to do it.
0: It's not my song. <laughs> Maybe I'll save it for part two, just I, to make sure people tune in.
1: I, yeah, I was going to say that that would be uh, that would be like John Lennon taking lead vocals in Helter Skelter. You don't just do that. Why not? Because it's, it's not his song. Well, it's, it's, you know. It's McCartney's song.
0: He didn't sing any McCartney songs when they went solo? He I, must have. No, I bet you not. Because McCartney definitely does like Lennon song. Does he? Yeah. yeah. I don't believe that. He might even do George Harrison songs. I don't think so.
1: I think you're making that up. I I could be. <laughs> well, what about the songs where they both sing? Well, then they probably They're... get like... A backup person to sort of cover the other person's vocals
0: just some dude
1: i mean you don't really have to speculate about john lennon because he hasn't done he hasn't done a concert in a while
0: that's true he definitely has is not recording anything lately yeah um so you don't think that mccartney's up there and he's like hey let's play a john lennon song everybody no he, he plays a john lennon song says, john was my good buddy i don't think so i bet he does yeah, yeah i don't think so
1: anyhow yeah. I, i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that
0: okay fair enough um maybe i'll I, make up
1: the star jammer rap while i'm not paying attention to describe this comic book
0: yeah you could <laughs> uh
1: you could come up
0: with your own thing too that's yeah, a good idea yeah. and then we could have we could have two things two competing things This have, might break up the podcast like we will go our separate ways and we will like hi i'm adam and i'm doing uh uncanny x-men and you could be uh jeremy doing regular x-men or or maybe we just always do the same thing try to try to figure out who's doing it first
1: like a like a like a podcast battle instead of a rap battle
0: we'll like be a we'll be a podcasters that just battle because we had a notorious breakup
1: we'll have a we'll have a podcast beef
0: yeah yeah i got a beef over your new star jammers riff you haven't created yet (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be so so good so yeah, the uh, Starjammers getting attacked for whatever reason, or no? Are they attacking somebody? I don't know. This is this is the thing. Is that it doesn't really matter.
1: Um, don't they 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 board a ship? I think it's a Shi'ar ship, and they're 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 taking booty because they're pirates. Right,
0: and they're also doing some sort of treasure hunt. So they they boarded the Shi'ar ship because they want to get some sort of treasure map or something like that.
1: Corsair Um, makes a weirdo walk the plank, which is dumb. The space plank.
0: Well, it's you know pirates. Yeah, it's it's yeah, I agree. It's dumb.
1: (laughs) It serves no purpose.
0: Uh, The professor, during their initial like, uh, Corsair does one of these things, like where it's like the the making the kessel run some sort of um, thing that you shouldn't do when they're attacking the Shi'ar ship. Like they come out of hyperspace two minutes too early in order to attack the Shi'ar ship and everybody's kind of knocking him about it um, the professor he has an overload with a he's he's plugged into a Cerebro unit that they have uh, well that's what it was the professor's creating the shields on the ship
1: hmm.
0: so that the Shi'ar the ship thinks that the shields are down but he's they have psionic shields or something and then he manages to beam them over to the Shi'ar ship and they blast stuff up they take the booty, as you say, make the dude walk the plank. But the professor is uh, unconscious from here on out in this issue.
1: Yes. The thing that you do so that the professor can't like just win everything for everybody.
0: Does he have those powers? I mean, he's not Superman. Uh, mind control. Uh, does he? Yeah, I guess. Uh, when have we ever seen the professor? Like, he swore off that in X-Men issue two. Right. He was like, I don't like to do this. I just did it because... Mastermind was
1: such a threat. Right. I, yes, you could have written up like a plot contrivance of like, wow, well, these are space mines, and I can't control them. Yeah. But regardless, they, they sort of get him out of the way, but then <clears throat> he merges with the computer and I think becomes like the guide for all of the wacky adventures that are about to happen.
0: He almost becomes like a narrator of sorts.
1: They, uh, need to go, I'm just going to get right to it. They need to go on the Falcon quest. And uh, that cracked me up a little bit. Um, so earlier they're like, uh, we got to get to Falcon, P-H-A-L-K-O-N. I was like, all right, that's fine. And then <laughs> later on somebody says like, we're doing the Falcon quest. i like, well, do you remember the show from the 80s called Falcon Crest? No okay well there's a show ran nine seasons i'm googling it right now from 1981 to 1990 called Isn't falcon a soap crest. Opera? yeah it's like a dynasty or um okay. you know one of those primetime um uh soap opera things uh, okay vague, vaguely i'm aware of what it is never watched it oh same here right like it probably aired after the dukes of hazard or you know hee-haw or something like that but uh every time they say falcon quest i'm like are they saying falcon crest but with a speech impediment it was very distracting <laughs> to get over that. And then I was like, this is 1990. The show is ending at about this time. Did the writer have like a thing for Falcon Crest? And he's like, oh, man, there's only like two people in the world that are going to get my little joke here. Falcon
0: <laughs> Quest. So I read it as the Falcon Quest. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even think of it as Falcon. Okay. Falcon. Falcon? fal-con? Fel, I, 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 let me see. Fel, fal, falcon. I always said, I said Falcon.
1: I, you probably call it the Millennium Falcon, too, don't you?
0: No, I call it the Millennium Falcon. Okay, that's fair. I had to say that out loud just to make sure that I was going to say it right.
1: I've heard people call it like the Millennium Falcon. I'm like, no, that's not how you say Falcon. Anyways. Falcon.
0: Falcon. The Falcon Quest.
1: Okay, that's it's mildly like, better.
0: Uh, it's like Gen Con or some sort of convention.
1: No, Gen Con is spelt the way it sounds.
0: Falcon Crest. <laughs> Falcon
1: Quest. Falcon Quest.
0: So the guy who walks off the plank, uh, he drops a bunch of codes, and I guess the codes are important to what they must do next, which is uh, track all of the places where the codes went to so that they can go on the Felcon quest. They're not even on the Felcon quest, I don't think. I don't care. I skipped ahead to that.
1: (laughs) They don't know that I
0: assumed its power was just a myth. Yeah, those were pretty serious uh, security procedures for a myth. But I guess we'll never know. Maybe we will. I managed to track the individual directions of the four map pods as they zipped away. So this enables us to split the team up into groups that all go on their individual portions of the quest for the maps, so that they can go on the Falcon quest.
1: Falcon quest
0: this worked really well in episode nine and it works really well here.
1: What episode nine?
0: Yeah. Where they are, where they're constantly going on different quests to find the next quest. What are you talking about? Star Wars. Oh, oh yeah. Where they go on a dumb quest in order to find another dumb quest that leads them eventually to the death star, which probably leads them to another quest or something. Oh, and they need the, uh, coordinates to get through the hyper ship to the hidden planet with the <laughs> army of spaceships that has been there for 30 years.
1: I'd forgotten all about all of that. But yeah, it's a,
0: it's a super contrived plot and it doesn't work here either. Yeah. It's very boring. It's like watching, I don't know, but it feels very seventies comic book. This is like a thing that the X-Men would do back in
1: the day is go on a
0: quest in which they would have to split up into groups.
1: It does have that annual feel. It definitely has that annual feel. 70s X-Men annual feel of, okay, like specifically I think like the Archon um, um, annual in which they all go to the Savage Land or wherever they go and they definitely get teleported to different regions, have to go on different little adventures and then ultimately meet up at the end to take on the bad guy.
0: This could be a cool video game, the Star Jammer's video game where you each level you play a different character. Sure. And you're uh, trying to find the maps and then you team up at the end and I don't know, we'll find out next issue, whether <laughs> so, or not that theory holds.
1: So Corsair gets beamed away to, I think he's by himself, but... Chapter he, two, Castaway. He gets an opportunity to fight uh, vampires with his sword, which is kind of neat, I guess.
0: Yeah, there's a weird vampires. Uh, there was, a, there's like a vampire and a wolf and they're kind of lovers, which is was interesting sort of dynamic and uh all they really want to do is get off this planet and Corsair sort of screws that up for them. So I wonder if they'll be coming back. Probably not though. But it was interesting that you would give such a minor character these kind of details. I felt for this vampire guy. Well
1: oh, I think they were like stretching it out because this little vignette here is like seven pages long and there's like twelve panels on every page. And every page every panel has like two thought bubbles on it.
0: I don't think they were stretching it out though because nobody asked for fifty pages of Star Jammers. I mean it was this is like what they did. It was this doesn't feel stretched out to me. It just feels like this is the story that they wanted to tell.
1: It's a fair point. It's a fair point. It's definitely like not like this is like an X-Men versus Fantastic Four where they're like, we gotta stretch this out and sell more. This is the Star Jammers.
0: Nobody in Marvel Comics is thinking that this is gonna be a, a runaway winner
1: sales wise. I wonder though maybe they were maybe they're like oh my gosh I mean, they're that's...
0: always hopeful that
1: it would be like okay maybe there, there's a possibility maybe we can yeah. launch a new series off of this 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 two part Cochrane kavanaugh joint.
0: But it's the same thing they did this uh they did they did Speedball in the early 90s or late 80s. Mhm. And it was a brand new character created by Steve Ditko uh-huh. with art by Steve Ditko, uh, kind of plots by Steve Ditko and written by somebody else. And it was very much like a sixties comic and I don't think it did very well cause it only lasted like nine issues or something like that. And it's just this type of thing that you allow somebody like Steve Ditko to do because he's Steve Ditko. And I feel like Dave Cockrum mm, sort of the same. That could you, be, you let him, you let him do this because he's Dave Cockrum and He's going to sell some books. It's probably not going to be a major seller like the the Speedball thing, but you know, who cares? It's it's kind of like it's kind of like highlighting the golden years of comic books in a way that modern comic book people sort of can't do. Sure. Sure. So, I don't know. There's there's a nostalgia factor to it that we don't really get because we're not
1: from that era. Chode and Hepzibah, they get uh, teleported to a ship. This chapter is called Plunder. Oh, the,
0: the, the important thing to note is that at the end of all of these, they get their map things and they get beamed back to the uh, the the Star Jammer. And in the meantime, the Professor X, as you mentioned, has merged with their computer, Waldo, and is following them all along to help guide them where to go. So, yes. Hepzibah.
1: And Chaod, Chaod, Falcon. Falcon Quest. The most interesting. Uh, she gets her key, whatever. Um, Hepsibah gets the key, I think, for the pair of them.
0: They get split up and uh, they both have their different kind of strengths and weaknesses. And um, I think she gets shot out into space and Chaod sh- saves her uh, or something like that. She falls into a trap. Um,
1: the. Most interesting vignette here is... And I just realized this. Each full-page spread that introduces all these chapters has Cochram Albrecht, uh, at least for the ones that we've read so far. So maybe there's some differences. Um, I don't know if that means anything or if they were just really proud of their full-page spreads. But this is the uh, the little creature that hangs out on Cha'od's neck. Yep, And it's got a name, I think, but he always speaks in squiggles and he gets transported to his home planet and evidently that's the planet lupus which is weird um and the title is called wenches which i guess makes sense (laughs) the most interesting thing about this whole chapter is like there uh is nonsense scribbles for the dialogue some sound effects, some screaming, but for the most part, it's all a story told in pictures. It's very abstract. Uh, and and I actually, I liked this portion of the book a lot. It does feel like the
0: part that they're putting their heart into the most. Yeah. Um,
1: so he comes back at, and I don't remember what his name is. Um, I think it's like Cree. Cree? Let's know. go with Cree, Yeah. And uh, apparently he was banished from his planet for some reason. And he oh we also find out so he's being chased by like keystone cops that are like chipmunks or bad chipmunks Be- beavers beavers yeah and uh you know the the observers who are the rest of the star Jammers are like why how is this possible and i guess this is the interpretations like this is not what they actually look like this is just the closest approximation the computer can get their brains to comprehend i think i read that correctly
0: um i don't remember that i agree with you <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's just go with it uh somewhere throughout there the professor dies
0: yeah uh that happens
1: <laughs> and uh, then we, we go on to find out that Cree has a wife and a whole bunch of little pups that he had to leave uh when he was banished from the planet and uh i don't know ultimately they all get teleported back to the star jammer
0: Okay, so look at the uh, – so the interesting thing, you mentioned the text. If you scroll up to the text of the uh, upper right-hand corner and uh, – Of of what? Of the page that you were just talking about where he's uh, – Kree is back. Uh, but the professor just died. The page after mm-hmm. the professor dies. Yep, yep. Uh, the upper right-hand panel that – there's a big uh, – he's, he's wearing sunglasses. Yep. He's thinking something. One of the uh, things says Claremont-sized. Yeah. All all the letters are all, like, mixed up, but I wonder what that is, like, what that means. Like, why does it say Claremont-sized?
1: And there's also another thing that's a bunch of gibberish that ends with thought balloons.
0: Thought balloons. Uh, There's one earlier on that says Star Jammers. Um, They're really difficult to read because he...
1: They're They're all sort of jumbled.
0: Yeah, the words, some of the letters get... Sideways, uh, upside down, or sideways, or or whatever. So it's so you can hide stuff in there like Claremont sized without necessarily anybody noticing it.
1: I don't think that that means like it's Claremont sized. I think it means it's like it's Claremont sized.
0: Claremont sized. Okay. Yeah,
1: I don't think there's an eye in there, but I think that's what they've been like. We've Claremont Claremont sized this.
0: Well, no, that works because the eye could be the sideways dash that I oh, was sure. thinking.
1: I think I don't know what it means, but I think that's what they're going for. Claremonticized. Yeah. Thought balloons. You know, Claremontism, Claremonticized. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, he reconnects with his family and uh, he gets his little gem and uh, he's got a whole bunch of little pups and they all make it back to the Starjammer and they're like, all right, now we've got Mr. and Mrs. Cree and a whole bunch of pups
0: so we cut to chapter 5 called Holding Action which is which, Raza and Binary
1: in in like an ongoing comic like Cree and his family could have been like your ongoing comic relief right because there's a uh, whole lot of scenes of here of like of Mrs. Cree kind of like giving, giving people the business giving them the eye but then like as it ends you do see the softer part where her, her hair is sort of like down by her side she's got a tear coming about it. Tears coming out of our, her eyes. So she, she cares, but she's got attitude. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe I just look made more into that than actually exists. I would well, read not. a Cree comic book. Would you? Yeah.
0: I think you would read maybe the first issue, maybe a couple issues, but you'd get bored of it.
1: I don't know, man.
0: It's, it's kind of like reading a Star comic book.
1: <laughs> they're all the
0: same, basically. I mean, they're fun, but they're not, you know. I guess I, I read many, many issues of Elf.
1: I, I think I had some Heathcliff. Star comics.
0: I feel like that's what that would amount to. I mean, yeah. you could probably do something very clever and interesting with it, but maybe not in this era of comic books. I'm not really sure.
1: Anyways, yes. Uh, binary and Raza show up on a planet of bugs.
0: Giant uh, armies of bugs. hmm And uh, Raza is very traditional. He calls Binary fair damsel and stuff, which he's not really taking. Um they both get swallowed and the professor slash Waldo can't find them. Uh, eventually, he, they discover that there's like a queen bug and the queen bug has the uh, gem that they're looking for inside of him. Barnary wants to burn him, but Raza stops her from burning it alive and it determines that eventually it's going to pop it out itself. He figures that out somehow. And um, yeah, so they, they get theirs back after nearly coming to blows. And then now that everybody has their thing, we are on Chapter 6,
1: Mutiny. And you're like, oh, man, finally. It's like probably like four pages left.
0: This is where it just begins.
1: And there's like seven <laughs> pages and so many panels, so much dialogue.
0: It is a lot of pages. It is a lot of dialogue. The, the art's really great, though. I mean, we should point out that, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. It's, it's very old old-style art. It's cool. There is far too many word balloons for this, <laughs> which is why I think it would be... This many word balloons uh, makes makes it interesting as an audio thing. The thing about audio plays is that people in traditionally have to explain what they're doing because it's not a visual medium. So we would have to rewrite a lot of this to be like, oh, this place is surrounded by bugs. Ah, and now this bug is attacking me, keeping my
1: throat clenched can't fight back
0: yes even that wasn't descriptive enough
1: yeah i know i i know what you're saying uh yeah i don't know sure
0: (laughs) so yeah chapter six ties in with the whole binary raza thing uh the professor figures out what's going on wait i thought he died well no the professor slash waldo uh floating being that has been following us around the professor's body is dead oh okay nobody's told the the professor
1: yet that his body is the professor floating waldo head yeah yeah
0: okay um so he notices that the uh that the gym is inside of the the giant monster that they're fighting over so they're able to bring it back to the star jammer and i'm sorry um, the
1: what nope okay
0: and then how does this thing end? The Shiar just show up and there's a whole bunch of shooting and then Deathbird shows up and uh, not really sure what's going to happen next. I mean, it seems like they have all the map pieces, so they're probably going to make their way to Felcon or maybe complete the Felcon quest.
1: You, you get a panel uh, that's reminiscent of the cover, which is neat. That's true.
0: do worry I, about
1: I, us. Yeah, I feel like it could have been bigger. It didn't need to be a full page spread, but it could have been like one of those quarter page panels could have been a half page spread sure it's worth it like here we are we're all together we've set aside our troubles me a little tiny panel yeah and then they they shoot and they go to town you're right deathbird is there and then it just kind of ends like um i guess deathbird kidnaps yeah uh kidnaps Lalandra, and they teleport away, and Choad's like, Deathbird's gone, the Majestrix teleported without her. So there's your there's your radio play description stuff. And then uh, Corsair says, the power of Falcone is almost within our grasp, dot, 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 concludes next issue.
0: Forget about me, Corsair. If she wants it so much, it must be real. Go after Falcone.
1: Falcone. Oh. <laughs> Rock me, Amadeus, because she, she's going to go to Falcone. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Now I approve of that joke. Now now you've made me feel all self-conscious.
0: <laughs> no, it's a good one. It's it's just uh, it's funny you should say that because somebody uh texted me that same joke about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Well, oh. so so I'm hip with the the, fel, the Falco. <laughs> cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: in the uh in the version that I'm looking at there is a uh some detailed plans blueprints for the Starjammer. oh it's pretty cool
1: if you're into the starjammer and you want to have your own sort of imaginary adventures on it you're going to need some schematics
0: or if you just like schematics i mean
1: sure but i this, always
0: liked these things where they would show schematics
1: sure put this right next to the pit hanging on your wall yeah now you know where you're going
0: heck you are <laughs> it weighs 1.2 billion tons
1: the Marvel Unlimited does not have that. It's
0: too bad. It does appear to have a thick binding. Um, the Starjammers, a hardy band of space pirates, playing preying upon starships of the corrupt Shi'ar Empire in a galaxy far from our own, led by the swashbuckling Earthman Corsair. The Starjammers' ranks include the massive lizard man Ch'od and his furry friend Kree... It looks like C-R plus E-E-E. Mm-hmm. The uh, Or maybe it's a T? No, I think, it, I think it's a plus. Well, now that we've seen their language, it might be a T. That's true. That's true. Kirti. Sure. Kirti. Uh, anyway, the renegade cyborg Raza, the energy manipulating binary, the agile skunk woman Hepzibah, the deposed Shiar Empress Lelandra, the powerful mutant telepath Professor X, and the insectoid Sikorsky, no mention of Waldo. Just the strangest groups of freebooters who are ever stalked the stars on their boldest adventure ever as they attempt to recover the mysterious Falcon. If they can survive the death of Professor X and betrayal by a traitor in their midst.
1: Who's the traitor in their midst?
0: They determine at some point in the thing that Waldo oh. is the traitor in their midst. It kind of goes by you if you're not paying attention.
1: I feel like they were trying to go for like a Star Wars thing. Like just... Lando Carizian? No, just like space opera adventure based on that description it sort of feels like they're planting the seeds for like well we've got these characters let's let's do this spotlight let's let's put x-men spotlight star jammers so that we can rope in some of that x-men uh love and maybe we can get a whole new generation hooked on these super out there space people
0: it's the 90s, though. I mean, nobody's talking about Star Wars in the 90s, at least the early 90s. Not until those Timothy Zahn books come out.
1: Yeah. I don't know, Adam. I it, it I, I don't know.
0: I, I think you're right. The Star Jammers are a reaction to Star Wars, for sure. But they were that back in the 70s when <laughs> they were introduced. Right. Nowadays, I can't imagine what, I mean, other than what we're talking like, about, like what we speculated that this, this would be for. It was fun if you liked that sort of thing. It is definitely a lot of words. It definitely does not move at the pace of a modern comic book. It's more fun if you turn it into a space opera. So say.
1: the Thrawn trilogy, which I read, which is no longer canon. Like Everybody read that. I liked well, it Well, interestingly
0: enough, it's not in canon, but then they brought Thrawn back anyway. And right. I think there's like a new Thrawn trilogy, which is in canon.
1: Uh, that, Heir to the Empire, came out in 1991.
0: Okay. So, So.
1: yes, uh, I think the Thrawn series that debuted in 2017, I think that is all in canon. And I'm curious if I should try to read it.
0: It's also written by Timothy Zahn.
1: I, I tried to read Spectre of the Past, which was followed up with Vision of the Future, uh, and they were boring. Oh, so boring. But The Heir to the Empire, Dark Force, Rising, Last Command, I thought those were pretty fun. And I read those, I think, when I was in my 20s. Those were... Uh,
0: I mean, Star Wars books are hit or miss. And that's going to be true of any sure. kind of franchise sort of thing. Um, but yeah, those those three books, when they came out, they were like exciting, they were new, they were the continuing adventures of Luke and Leia, and that was probably enough. I mm-hmm. um, recently like recently, as maybe a year or two ago, r- listened to the audiobook versions of the first two books.
1: Okay.
0: And they're still good. They still hold up. Okay. Uh, Writing-wise, they're not so good. A lot of things get kind of irritating in the audio version when it's like Han said, Han amusingly said, yeah. Han beboned. I do. You know, it's just like, I get it. I know who's speaking. I don't <laughs> need to know. <laughs> it's like... Like, there are better writers who can do, th- like, that same thing without using so-and-so said in every yeah. single.
1: The one gets, line that always stuck stuck out in my, and I think that's maybe when I noticed, like, it was getting a little repetitive, is I think the line was something like, Han threw Luke a sideways grin, and then, you know, whatever happened. And then, yeah. I was like, I don't know, that that alliteration doesn't work for me. I don't know what a sideways grin is but, um, anyways, yeah, uh, why were we talking oh, um nineties um uh, star wars, you're probably right though, in that maybe this was maybe maybe it was scripted or or plotted in the eighties, and they finally got together in nineteen ninety and and put it out, but the finishing to touch touches up it?
0: the uh, yeah touch it up to make sure that it was uh acceptable for to fit into the current continuity,
1: I guess, I don't know, more or less. Anyhow, uh, the other thing that, that we read, uh you're done talking about that thing, right?
0: That thing? Uh Star <laughs>
1: Yes. I'm sorry, yes, the what
0: now? I'm I'm done talking about the Star oh.
1: Well, uh one thing that I we read, the other thing we read was X Factor. Prisoner special. of Love. Yes, yeah. X Factor special prisoner of love. And I remember seeing this in the comic book store. Uh this if my memory serves, was one of those uh, kind of cardboard stock, um, harder bound, I think more um, uh, uh, higher quality paper.
0: Um, I feel like it was in the same graphic novel series as uh, God Loves Man Kills.
1: Maybe, but my, my recollection is that this was sort of the same size as Excalibur Prestige version, which oh, okay. was smaller than God Loves Man Kills. Like, that whole Marvel graphic novel was, like, the size of, like, a Rolling Stone magazine. This, I recall... Maybe they
0: changed the size, because I thought that Excalibur one was also part of that series. No. Or maybe I'm thinking of the New Mutants
1: one. New Mutants was. Excalibur was not. Okay. Uh, oh, I mean, maybe it was part of that series, but the form factor was definitely the size of a comic book. But, again, with a harder bound cover and paper. And, anyways, the point is, is that, you know, this thing was 4.95, and, you know, you'd open it up, and... This was when I wasn't familiar with Jackson Juice, uh, if that's how you pronounce his name. And so, like, in my opinion, in my young opinion, is like, this artwork is, sucks. <laughs> and the majority of it does not have X Factor doing X Factor things. It's, it's a lot of beast and a lot of this woman who we'll talk all about. And so, so I never bought
0: actually? Oh, so you didn't buy it? No,
1: okay. no. It's like I was like, I'm not spending my money on this. My hard-earned dollars my allowance um
0: yeah I, I think i saw the cover for this and the cover is intriguing so i probably was like "Ooh," but uh yeah and i didn't know who x factor was so
1: yeah and the cover is beast kissing this woman passionately
0: prisoner of love
1: Mm-hmm. jim starlin blue. Jim. she's not blue <laughs> uh and it's a striking cover yeah, no, it's a really good cover, and I remember, uh, I think, like, to me, it's not photorealistic, but I think in my young mind, it's like, these characters look like actual characters, right? They uh, might as well be, um, photorealistic is the wrong wrong word, but very representative of what, what figures could look like. And then inside the book, you get sort of like comic book characters. Except for Gene Grey. <laughs> I feel like Jackson Juice went out of his way... To make Jean look like exceptionally good,
0: I feel like he used a model for Jean Gray and maybe, yeah. maybe also the main character woman,
1: yeah, um, I these think feel you're right. like
0: these feel like their women are patterned after photographs that either he took or he took out of magazines or something like that.
1: a lot of the beast stuff, even Archangel iceman, all that feels like comic book figures but you're right the the poses that the women are in like there's early on in the book there's a, a cover or there's a picture of um, Jean Grey she's kneeling she's got like some sports shorts on a bullwinkle tank top it's kind of like a sexy pose but she's like kneeling in between a bunch of toys and then using telekinesis to feed the baby so it, to me it sort of feels like he had this picture and he's like ah okay I can work the baby into this <laughs> and then uh, you know Nathan is not eating or Christopher I don't know what they're calling him in this book at this point I think they just call him Chris
0: maybe they're, they're they call him Christopher maybe they're they're playing around with the idea of the, the sexy mom sure in the 90s they're kind of playing around with this kind of uh, trope or something I don't know uh,
1: yeah I I think Jackson juice was
0: sexy comic book character yeah. but doing normal everyday stuff
1: yeah yeah, and I, I don't have a problem. I think it's it's all fine. It's it's all, uh, it's all good good artwork in my my adult eye. Not not my child eye, which look, at this artwork is like this isn't like the X Men or the X Factor that I know. Catch
0: things that I know. It's funny because Jackson Juice actually drew the initial X Factor issues.
1: That's true. It's a really good point. I probably didn't know that though at the time.
0: Yeah, I didn't know artists back in the day. Yeah.
1: Um, so anyways, uh, Beast is sort of lamenting like he's blue and how can <laughs> how could anybody love him? So he's literally blue and figuratively blue. He's sad. Yeah, Beast is sad. He sees the interactions with Gene and the baby. He's like, I wonder if I could ever have a baby with somebody. Oh man, what would it look like? Gross.
0: I didn't really understand this because at first he's watching it and then the baby starts crying and... He, why, why does he look so sad? I don't know. Is he just?
1: I, I think he's just lamenting this this interaction, right? Like Jean's trying to feed him; it's not going well. But she's got like a really positive like she's getting frustrated, but then she's got like a really positive attitude. And eventually, she gives up. and She's like, "Ah, oh, whatever. Like we'll go do something else. It's all good." She's got like food all over her face and stuff. And so she's having like a like a mother son interaction, and he's like, "Oh man." So even in the face of failure,
0: she's got a happy yeah. face on, and and yeah. that just upsets him. He's like, oh, man, I really wanted her to be depressed about it.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. I think it's more just like he's lamenting the fact that he doesn't think that he'll ever be in a similar role with a child of his own.
0: I don't think it's a very – well, I, I like there are four pictures of Beast, and I just – I don't know what's going on. And, and, and then the, the fourth one, he looks like he wants to go on a murder spree.
1: The, so I don't
0: think these are good drawings.
1: The and, last one is kind of psycho, where he, he has made up his mind that now I will go murder <laughs> on the streets of New York.
0: So, this is the
1: turning point in, in the serial killer movie.
0: None of these are bad drawings. I just, because of their, their focusing on the face, we should know,
1: yeah.
0: we should have a better idea of what Beast is thinking. And I, I don't
1: and i'm absolutely just sort of extrapolating from how stories should be told i yeah. guess in my opinion i think to, i think you're right though i think to come to that are, conclusion i think your conclusion is correct
0: <laughs> but i can see where you wouldn't get it
1: us. um and it's it's not made clear and you know and he, he continues walking through looking at himself in the mirror and he snaps at scott scott's like where are you going He's like out, out. just just out you okay sure why wouldn't i be
0: You can never be too rich or too slim. I don't know what that means.
1: Come on, Hank. Something's about it. Well, I don't know what the rich part means. Is it a reference to Slim Scott Summers? Well, Scott Slim Summers, I guess, because we just got done with the scene. Maybe rich in love because he has a son and, and Slim Scott Summers is the son's father. I don't know. That didn't make sense to me either. Yeah. And so he's like, Uh, something bothering you? Just life in general. Catch you later. Catch you later, Dad. (laughs) So he puts on his trench coat and hat, and he's walking the streets of Manhattan, sort of incognito, which is weird because, like, he was an Avenger, and everybody's like, "Oh, look, it's the Beast. We love you." But now it's like, "Oh, I'm the Beast. Thing. Everybody hates me."
0: Yeah, I think because he's an X Man now. Yeah, he was an Avenger. He got away with it, and. It was weird because women found him, like, exceedingly attractive during that period. But apparently now, uh, because he's a mutant, twice, he uh, he is he is no longer in the in crowd.
1: So, and then this is where some of the writing that I don't care for. They call it a melting pot. I walk these streets and I can almost see the day when a mutant will be able to walk along with these folks without having a lynch mob come after them. Of course. Today's not the day, so I'll keep my hat pulled low.
0: I don't mind it. It's 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 silly. It's comic book-y. It's yeah. uh It's good dialogue for a radio show.
1: I don't like sentences that start off with they call it, but that's not really what it is.
0: It's a very uh, you know, detective. The hard-bo- hard-boiled detective.
1: Sort of. Sort of uh, so the other thing, and and what he's trying to get across here in this page anyways, is that there are, there's rich, beautiful people, and then there's down on their luck people and, and then there's even kids there's a kid like throwing a baseball against a wall I guess and he's all alone uh, but what, what really stands out on this page is that there's a dialogue box over this woman's mouth and I don't know why seems like a mistake well I wonder if Jackson Juice drew it and everybody was like oof Jackson <laughs> it's not good we're going to put some narration over that mouth
0: yeah, it's very strange.
1: Or it's just a straight up mistake. Or the guy behind it, the sort of evil looking guy with the tie, there. They're like, we want to see his face. If they could just move the, the <laughs> thing down. He's like, we, we can only see sh- both of their faces. We can only show one face. Is it going to be sort of like the evil dude, or is it going to be this maybe somewhat attractive woman? The evil dude is Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> kind of. And then somebody, Tom Defalco, was like, well, can't you just move the dialogue box down? They're like, oh no, that would ruin the flow. <laughs> Nobody would know what to read next. Yeah. All right. There's plenty of other places you could put this dialogue box. <laughs> you guys are the experts, I suppose. Cover up her face. <laughs> so Beast encounters a mugging of a girl. Classic
0: comic book mugging.
1: And uh the guy who's mugging the girl, I, I think they wanna it, it sorta of gets it sort of seems like it's going to be rapey, but it, it turns out to not be rapey. He's like you did this thing to my brother who was a rattler and we're rattlers because we're a gang and you don't do that to a rattler. So now we're gonna
0: kill it turns you. turns out that the comic booky uh mugging is actually a little bit more complicated. Ooh, interesting. Mm. It's weird that Beast uh he's he does a smart thing. He's like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just run in and bust us some heads without knowing what's going on. So he goes up to the roof. But while he's going up to the roof, he like loses all his clothes. So it's like he's ready to go into action mm-hmm. without knowing whether or not he needs to go into action. I guess it makes sense, but I don't know. It bugs me. It bugs me that he loses his clothes. Just keep the clothes with you.
1: So the gang leader here flicks out his switchblade, and Beast throws a rock at him. I think. I think it's a rock. It's a rock. Maybe it's his shoe. <laughs> Might be a shoe. And uh, he says, you better run. Uh, and then he immediately falls under the spell of this woman. She's so beautiful.
0: One glance and I'm lost. I've never seen anyth- anyone or anything so beautiful in my whole life. It's pretty apparent the dastardly crime she committed against Joey's brother. She obviously broke the poor kid's
1: heart. <laughs> and this picture is def. well, I shouldn't say definitely. It feels like it's a picture that he recreated it's and it's a really weird pose of her like sort of standing up hips cocked to one side and then she's just got her arms folded around her chest
0: i'm imagining jackson juice works in a studio and he has women that he can work with that he can take their photos of and he works from that that's so he probably poses them in real life sure and then draws that that's my guess
1: i sure i i believe that Uh, but this is just such a weird pose
0: it's totally a weird pose. I mean, they're all kind of weird poses. None of them are, are natural in any way.
1: So Beast springs into action, and he starts fighting all of these gang members. But ultimately... Tommy Wiseau almost stabs Beast in the armpit. <laughs> almost. Uh, and then one of them, we'll say it's Tommy Wiseau, uh, clobbers Beast in the back of the head with a brick. It's not Tommy Wiseau. It's like a blonde dude. Good eye, shank. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you know, then the rattlers here—they're gonna—they're gonna go to town on Beast. But then they're spooked by something.
0: There's like a British light. They're all kind of looking. What looks like up. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, up into like the left, stage left, if you will.
0: Yeah, and then Beast wakes up, uh, kind of groggy, and he's on a couch.
1: Say what? Where am I
0: across from a, another clearly photographed <clears throat> female figure
1: yeah uh and this will be an ongoing thing of <laughs> beast waking up in this apartment with sort of this uh sexy clad woman who sort of has like an explanation for everything but it's just, It's not very. It's it's all very vague. Like she's got no. She's got like a couch and and like a bed in this apartment. Nothing else. No no lamps. No tables. Like no furniture. And is like, well, how did I get here? He's like, well, you fought all those people off, and then you passed out, and uh, I carried you back. The good thing about using a
0: model is that these are definitely realistic looking, like poses. Mm -hmm. These they're they're not natural looking poses, like we said, but they are, they are you know proportionally correct. Yeah, there's there's no. body like like beast still looks like a comic book character the way that he's drawn he looks like he's drawn from somebody's imagination into right. like a particular pose but she looks like the reverse where he had someone pose and then he drew that it's you know it's it's kind of nice that a woman is represented at least correctly
1: yeah uh so they have a little conversation about kind of what happened and then they you know the camera pulls out and we see like this basically barren apartment with just a couch. And uh, it's like, oh, you you haven't lived here long, have you? And she's like, no, I'm a stranger to this town. And then they immediately fall in love.
0: Yeah, she has a a mutant or some sort of power sway over, uh, over, over Beast and probably whoever she was being attacked for in the alley, she also probably had a sway over that person. And we'll learn more about that as we go. Her name is Cynthia, by the way.
1: Yeah. And She does say her name. And this page ha- could be cons- maybe thought of as contrived, but it's the way it's written, sort of the way it flows. Like you sort of buy that by the end of it, um, I guess on the next page you get this full page spread of them kissing. But it sort of makes sense that Beast is um, falling under her spell. And there's something, something else at play here.
0: It is well-paced, and yeah, you definitely do feel that sh- sh- something's going on. Something's, something's happening. Beast. She's, she's, she's manipulating her. This kiss page is not very good, in my opinion. No, it's, it's not. I don't know why her mouth is open.
1: I feel like it's maybe not. this was not from a model, <laughs> that this might have been freeform, but maybe not. Could, yeah, you might be right. Uh, so, as I mentioned, they, 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 they were on a couch in the middle of this room, and then Beast wakes up on a bed, I think in the middle of the same room.
0: Uh, and I I don't know though.
1: It could be could be just a really giant apartment. And
0: it looks like the room with the couch has a giant window, whereas this room with the bed has multiple windows.
1: It could be. So it could be a bedroom that just has a bed in the middle of it.
0: It's a very big bedroom.
1: Yeah, it's huge. It might
0: just be. It might just be like a like a uh, like an artist loft or something.
1: So he recall like he just woke up, had a conversation with Cynthia. They they kissed. And now he's waking up again, and now he's looking for Cynthia, and he's like, oh, I'm a little hungry, and he goes to the fridge, and there's there's no food in the fridge, and uh, Cynthia's like, hey, I already made you breakfast. It's on the table over there.
0: I made you a double helping of anything. Sit down and dig in. You need to keep up your strength to protect me, because uh, there's a the whole thing about how Beast is going to protect her from something.
1: Yeah, an, on, an oncoming threat.
0: I kind of wish there was, like, rotting food in the fridge. Just to add to the whole spooky nature of the thing.
1: Yeah, it'd be nice if, like, for the audience's view, you get, like, this kind of rotting food, but then when you switch to Beast Vision, it's like, it's it's cake and fresh fruit and, and stuff. That'd have been fun. In the next page, we get get a, lot, a little more dialogue uh, running through sort of what's happening, uh, but ultimately what happens is she bites his hand uh, and leaves, right. like, this round kind of... Well, she, she comes up from biting his hand with, with a little bit of blood in her mouth and he's like what
0: huh oh, you broke the skin did it hurt terribly no not at all and they make out and there is like what appears to be like a puddle of blood on the floor
1: <laughs> and when we see a bite mark on beast's hand yes yeah where she bit him yep yeah. and now sort of beast uh i think descends into like this hellish nightmare scape which is pretty cool it's just a bunch of swirly stuff lots of colors lots of lots of inks and stuff yeah
0: it's it's you know somebody's playing around with different styles of art and it, it comes out looking uh interesting and there's a big like tentacle monster in the sky
1: so then we come back to what seems like the real world uh door 13 or townhouse 13 or something like that and uh Somebody opens the door and a creature comes out. I thought this was Beast at first, and maybe it's supposed to be.
0: He's like the the representation of the Dark One. I I don't know what that is, but, uh, well, at least not yet.
1: He's got, like, a leather jacket and, like, crazy hair, big eyelashes.
0: Beast doesn't like him, but we don't really know who he is at this point.
1: And it turns out to be a dream. Pity the
0: poor soul he seeks. Then in a flash of pure horror, I realize the person he's hunting is Cynthia, and he wakes up from his bed again. So it's hard to tell what is actually dreams and what is real since Beast just keeps waking up in bed yep,
1: with no memory
0: of any of this.
1: And he sees her next to the window, which is a little difficult to make out because he says, Cynthia. On the next page, you can see Cynthia's dress sort of underneath Beast's arm as he's running towards her. And then you get the full page well, the quarter-page model recreation. Of She's just
0: sitting around. That's all she really does. She just kind of sits around.
1: <laughs> she sits around. not a very
0: active person.
1: Well, she sits around, she comforts Beast, uh, makes everything okay, uh, and then he falls asleep again. <laughs> I had
0: a dream there was this thing that turned into a man, and he's coming for me. So whatever Beast saw, she knows what it was. And so we cut to we cut to Beast on the Couch. They're both on the couch now. Um You've become the whole world to me, Cynthia, even though I know so little about you. What are you, my love?
1: Anything you wish me to be. You
0: do such strange and wondrous things to me.
1: Nothing you don't want me to do. So it's storming outside.
0: Yeah. It uh yeah, we get a nice establishing shot of New York City with the uh the twin towers in the shot and some lightning. Um Yes, if she's human And she says, nope But neither are you No human could make you feel the way I do No human would want to
1: Please tell me what's going on here Is what Beast sort of calls out And she's like, maybe later For now, let's call it a night And they work their way into the bedroom
0: He looks completely defeated as he walks into the bedroom
1: Yeah, I think he's wearing like half of a robe or a towel And his shoulders are definitely slumped As he heads into the bedroom and then he wakes up again.
0: He wakes up one more time, and he's thinking about the rest of X Factor. And boy, I bet they're, I bet they're looking for me, well, worrying. I should probably give him a call.
1: The other thing he's saying is like, oh, I feel so weak. All my muscles have turned to rubber. I've never felt so wretched. Maybe I've got the flu.
0: Yeah. And when, then he gets to the window and sees that Archangel is out flying looking for him. And then he's like, oh, it's too bad my muscles are so weak. I can't I can't do anything. I can't call him. I can't rattle the windows. I tear, I frantically tear at the window to call Warren, but the bloody thing jams up.
1: Cynthia comes in. She's like, what are you doing? Beast likes, my friend Warren. Are you going to leave without saying goodbye?
0: And she shuts the window so that nobody can see inside in a panel where it looks like she's naked.
1: Yeah. And I wonder if that's on purpose.
0: I don't know why, though. I mean, she's wearing a robe in the previous panel. Yeah, but then... So why would she just be wearing a robe in the next
1: panel? She closes the blinds and then sort of as Beast is laying on the bed, you see sort of a a side view of her and it sort of looks like she's either wearing just a bra or a tank top or something like that. So I feel like she's walked over to Beast and sort of left the robe behind and now she's scantily Maybe. clad is what I get out of all that. I don't like it. Yeah. And so he falls asleep yet again. Somebody calls out. Oh, now he wakes up in a dream. Um, the uh, x Factor here, they call out. Uh, they've got Cynthia tied up naked, hanging upside down over a fire, and they're going to burn her. <laughs> what the devil are you doing? Uh, cyclops turns into, like, a zombie cyclops with, like, bony teeth. There's it's a like, zombie Marvel girl behind him. Whatever we want to do. And he blasts that beast. That takes care of the old party pooper. Let's boogie boss, man. (laughs) You know I don't like your looks, blondie. Cyclops has evil bug eyes. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Beast beats them all up. Beast says, bad idea, Scott. In fact, it's a terrible idea. And that's when he beats them all up.
0: The gang goes into action just as the way I've seen them do it a thousand times before. That's how I anticipate their moves and avoid their initial insult. Maybe this is real. Can it be that I've never seen their true faces before this moment? Are my eyes only open now for the first time? They say love changes the whole world for you. Makes you see it different. If that's true, my love for Cynthia has revealed what a nightmare existence I've been living. What I'll never return to! Smashes Iceman into ice shards.
1: And then everything's gone. He has a naked Cynthia cradled in his arms. So Cynthia, are you all right she says, yes, you saved me. But in the close-up here now, we see that she's wearing what I think is the same either tank top bra that she was wearing when she closed the blinds. I could be wrong, though.
0: I think you're or right. Or it's just I, a mistake. I mean, it's probably it probably was uh, naked in the initial drawings, and then mm. somebody said, cover that up. That's That's too much.
1: You know what? You're probably right. I bet you those were inked on later. I bet you it was like, uh, as much as you could possibly show without, like, you know, going all the way. Because it's weird uh, if you go back and maybe maybe there's nothing. You know, in the page where uh, Cynthia is hanging upside down, she's got like these weird ball things where her breasts would be, but they seem to be on her hands. So I don't know if that's like just poor positioning uh, <laughs> or if it was also an alteration. But then as I look forward, she has those sort of ball handcuffs. Um, In a couple of other panels as well. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, they're kind of big balls that are are on just her wrists. Her Mm -hmm. hands stick out of them. They're kind of strange. And And, yeah, they are very strangely positioned, (laughs) for sure.
1: And then if you look at the next page where um, Cyclops says, I don't like your looks, Blondie, uh, you you really can't tell where anatomy is uh, and isn't. It's, It's sort of weird. Like they're trying to sort of, Make it PG hidden, but it just looks like the artist forgot to draw things. (laughs) Because it sort of looks like a male chest there. There's
0: definitely no gravity happening here.
1: Yeah, but I digress. Uh, Beast and Cynthia, they kiss again. Beast is like, but I'm, I'm your prisoner, aren't I?
0: You saved me, but I'm still your prisoner. Aren't we all prisoners to something? You're evil. I'm beyond good or evil. I simply am. Will I survive this passion? I'm not sure either of us will.
1: I'm getting to the end of my rope burning out too wasted to even move Cynthia. Now he's on the ground and you get <laughs> definitely a pose. She's in the foreground. She's wearing like this sort of uh, an ace of spades shirts, a, um, I don't know, high cut underwear. Um, and then like like an eighties or nineties, like dance club police cap. I don't know what you call those things.
0: The only problem I have with this one, which throws the whole thing into question, is I don't think this is a human pose that someone can do because her arm is too long.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, unless
0: the, the the model is kind of bent over in such a way that allows her arm to get down that far.
1: Yeah, she might be bent forward. In the photograph, but the drawing didn't really make out the fact that she's bent forward. I don't know. But like
0: maybe her left leg is on an apple box or something, yeah. so she's yeah,
1: right. Who N- nobody who stands in their apartment stands in this pose ever. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is uh I am modeling an outfit pose. Or I'm doing my Playboy pose.
0: This is Jackson Juice taking the opportunity to practice anatomy.
1: Yeah. Uh, Beast is in the background, sort of like, oh, I'm dying, Cynthia. Feels like nothing. Why does it have to be like
0: this? You said you'd explain. I guess I will. And she explains that once the cosmos was filled with my kind, our numbers seemed infinite. But then they came, the enemy, those that seek to annihilate us, the dark ones. They hate the, and uh, They fear and hate our light and pleasure, but they have the power to extinguish both. Now... There are so few of us and so many of them. The Dark Ones grow ever stronger. One of them stalks me now and uh, Beast has seen him and she she reduces him back up to full power at some point. I, uh, I'm i extremely weak, weak from this fleeing terror. This is why I've been hiding in the, on this backwater world trying to regain my strength. It has been difficult because I had to choose very carefully whose energies I stole. I only tapped into those who's decide, who would side with the Dark Ones. But then you came along. You were so different. You were like a mutant. Mutants are cool. Mutants have a lot of energy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but Pat sum, sums it up there.
0: He gives her a kiss and um, that's he juices her back up. Or he juices Beast back up. I can feel my strength return. It's like fire burning through my veins. It's sure torture and wild abandon. It's like love. The Dark One shows up at the door. Um, Cynthia gave Beast a set of instructions about when to look exactly at the uh, Dark One, when to attack, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And as the Dark One enters the room, everything goes crazy. Um, The world no longer functions the way reality normally does, which is, I guess, why she didn't want him to look at the guy until a certain point. Um, I was predicting at this through this whole thing that there would be some sort of uh, twist where she was the bad guy. Um, I... I will spoil this and say that that's not what happens.
1: Yeah. I did not know where this was going, so I did not make that same prediction.
0: Keep your eye on the dark one. Keep your eye on the dark one. And then she says, now, and he jumps in to the fight. And they don't really fight. It's just kind of explosions. And there's what looks like maybe a tentacle. I don't know. Um, And a giant crystal uh, tower shatters. And B says, Is that you? You're beautiful. Yes, Hank, my dear, it is me. And so are you. Once again, you have saved me. And for that, I will always be grateful. To prove that gratitude. To bid you farewell. Return to your life and prosper. And... Um, Beast wakes up in
1: the middle of the alley
0: where he this whole adventure started.
1: There's a kid, I think, probably the kid that was throwing the baseball against the wall. He's like, "You get mugged or something, Mister?"
0: From the kid, I learned it's Monday, the same day I took my little walk. He doesn't remember any blonde woman or street gang. An expression in his eyes shows he thinks me some kind of head case. He runs off. Was
1: well, Cynthia nothing more than a hallucination caused by a bad hot dog? We we did skip that. Like as he's walking through Manhattan, I guess one of his favorite things to do is put his trench coat and hat on and eat a hot dog. Heck yeah! So street dogs, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. did I did I really live out an unbelievable encounter, or will I forever ache for a phantom memory? I may go mad wondering. And then he looks at his hand. And he sees teeth marks and he sort of looks up into the sky and it ends.
0: And that's it with those little hearts around the end. Yeah, I liked it. It was interesting. Uh, what cost love? That's a question. Hank McCoy, the mutant known as beast must ask himself the answer. Everything, his health, his sanity, his teammates, maybe even his life because a mysterious creature known as the dark one stalks the beast's Beauty and his intentions are most definitely deadly. Prisoner love. A love story with a bizarre and bitter twist so
1: 1990 me i guess would have been 60 1990 uh 14 years old um would not have cared for this nonsense this love nonsense i probably would have liked the girl like oh that's sexy she's sexy but uh older me uh i i uh, I liked it. I liked the story. I liked the artwork. I liked the story. I liked what they were trying to do, doing something a little bit different.
0: I would have probably also not liked it, but I would have thought it was memorable and been like, that was interesting, but I don't know why. And then just left it and Mm -hmm. then maybe come back to it many years later and been like, I remember this.
1: Yeah. Okay. This makes a
0: little more sense now.
1: You're probably maybe just a little bit deeper than me because I probably would have read it and been like, that was stupid. That sucked. (laughs) Maybe not, it's though. Very, I don't know.
0: It's very rare that I read something where I was like, that sucked. <laughs> um, usually I'll try to, like, I don't know, get something out of it. Even the stuff that I don't like, I try to, I don't know.
1: I don't think I started, like, thinking outside of my sort of superhero and good guys and bad guys until I started getting into um, not Marvel comics. Okay. Like, some some DC, some Dark Horse uh and, and realizing that comics could be more than just you know the X Men, GI Joe, Transformers.
0: I think that th- I was I picked up a lot of uh, Wolverines just because they had Wolverine on them, and some of those were just weird. And so I think that that was probably my reaction to the weird Wolverines. Was like that was neat. I don't really get it, but it was it was interesting. And and I'll probably like. And then you know, thirty years from then, I'll, I still remember it for whatever reason. Some left some sort of impression on me, but
1: left Indian. definitely
0: not definitely not one of my favorite things in the world. But yeah, still f- different flavors for flavoring.
1: Speaking of Wolverine, I didn't read uh, Marvel Comics Presents number fifty-five. Uh, I don't. I didn't like it. Um, but but it looks like Wolverine fights the Hulk. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, I didn't like part one, which is probably why I didn't like part two. Part part two is a little bit better. They do a little basic fighting um it makes sense in more or less that they everything that happens makes sense or that, that was my problem with issue one was like it didn't make any sense. Um they fight. They Wolverine fight. They fight realizes and fight and fight. that fight, 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 he's...
1: fight, fight, fight. fight. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead.
0: The Wolfie and Hulky show. Oh, you'll sing um, that but
1: you won't sing Star Jammers, whatever. There's a Starjammers song. No, <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> You're dead to me, Starjammers song.
0: <laughs> um, he, Wolverine, has a moment where he realizes that he was being a bit of a, a Dumbo, and that's nice. Well, yeah. hey, bub, uh, Hulk. What say we let bygones be bygones? And then the Hulk's like, "It takes a mighty big man to admit he's wrong." Uh,
1: yeah, put her there, pal. <laughs> And then they so, eat turkey over a fire. It's so stupid, but I kind of like that. <laughs> or no, it's I guess it's it. bear meat. I,
0: don't they hit the bear earlier? Yeah, I think they kill the bear.
1: Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. So they it's eat not, the bear.
0: Not a thing that I like, but no. whatever.
1: Uh, there's a, a funny panel of Hulk riding in Wolverine's truck, and there's a dent in the ceiling.
0: Yeah, they go to get gas together for some reason and then bits it's turning into daylight so the Hulk's like I gotta let me let me out. I gotta I got business to do 10 to and uh for some reason uh it's him. I got the guy you're looking for, the killer from last night. I don't know what he's referring to, but I guess he killed somebody. The or, bear.
1: The bear killer. Yeah,
0: but I mean why would this guy care about was this guy there?
1: So is this I only, I
0: don't know. he calls the police and he holds a gun to Wolverine's back. Hold it the red there, fellow. Hands over your head. You ought to know around these parts. We don't We don't just let a murderer stroll on through. I'm no murderer. Couldn't be. Couldn't possibly be two guys who'd fit your description. Looks like you're going to spend the rest of your life behind bars. That is, if you're lucky.
1: So is this guy out front, is this Bruce Banner?
0: Yeah, it's Bruce Banner. Where did he get his shirt from? He had it in his back pocket. Okay. He's, he murdered somebody on the way out, <laughs> and that's what they're blaming Wolverine for.
1: I don't know. So, So Hulk is now Hulk at night, Bruce Banner during the day. I believe that's what it is, yeah. I mean, that's how it started out uh, in the early days, but I, I thought does that that changes like a lot, doesn't it? So, yeah, it started out that way and
0: that's the whole kind of premise of the Grey Hulk when he comes back is that he goes back to the original cuz cause, cause I think in the first 6 issues or maybe just one issue. Oh, he's gray. The Hulk was yeah. grey. That's right. So they kind of like Stan Lee always said it was just like a coloring thing. But it was never intended to be grey But they kind of embraced it anyway And did a, a whole grey hulk That goes back to that Night and day transformation type deal um, But yeah It, it definitely changes okay. At some point Bruce Banner And the Hulk are the same Like Bruce Banner occupies the Hulk body So lots of different stuff Did you break something? No Oh, I thought I heard you break something.
1: Just my heart. You broke your heart? Yeah. I'm sorry, man. It's okay. Was it Cynthia? Yes. I just, you know, I had this whole adventure just like a moment ago.
0: <laughs> and now you're just back to, she left me back recording the podcast where I left off. Yes. Yeah,
1: so. Weird. Man, what a
0: bummer. My life is trash.
1: <laughs> uh, in the original Hulk show... There was a different Hulk. The, the what was it, Bruce Banner? No, it wasn't. It was Robert Banner, right? Yeah, it was David Banner.
0: David Banner. I think Bruce David, was too gay for
1: 80s TV shows. So they had to right. go to David they, they, Banner.
0: They said that Bruce was too homosexual a name.
1: It's <laughs> terrible. Um, but in the show, oh, here it is. Uh, this, The Incredible Hulk, the first part one, uh, David Barr... Because he always had like, um, yeah, there it is. So in the TV series, there was uh, another Hulk. There was an episode where there was another Hulk. but Really? I thought it was like a gray Hulk, but uh, this guy is just another dude who turns green. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I remember there were like, the episode, and I, I've only seen it once when I was a kid. I feel like they're in like a rec room fighting between like a, a pool table.
0: Was it supposed to be just another Hulk or did they actually like try to give it a comic book name like, uh, abomination or something like that?
1: I think it was just another Hulk. It it is not played by Lou Ferrigno. It's played by somebody else. Some other. They
0: couldn't even do like a wink to the audience and been like, you're
1: an abomination. Oh my God. Do you think that how, how close to the material do you think the writers of that show were?
0: Um, they took a concept, and they just made a show out of it. Yeah, and,
1: I, I, don't I don't think, think there was... But then you have later
0: things where they like try to bring Thor in, and they try to bring Daredevil in.
1: Yeah, well, I think that was after the show was canceled, but they still had like all of the the actors were still on board. So, yeah, there was Daredevil. Yeah, but there you can tell me
0: they did, they did a Thor Daredevil and a Thor, uh, uh, or a, a Hulk Daredevil and a Hulk Thor, where the intention wasn't to have a spin-off series of... Thor and daredevil
1: oh absolutely right that that was those were those were launch pads yeah. that were just done like i think i think well after the show uh had been cancelled uh and then they i kind of want to watch that show again I'd
0: like to watch the flash show again remember that show
1: uh i I didn't really watch the show the flash show I
0: remember it being fun
1: i remember the the episode or two that I watched uh being fun, but I was not I wasn't there every week for it and isn't the Actually, actor that plays in that isn't he like some character in the new Flash show?
0: I think he plays his dad or something mm-hmm. like
1: that. I like it when they do that those little homages. Like I his, would like to
0: re-watch Briscoe County Jr. because as a kid I never liked that and I, I want to see if it was any good
1: I've never seen Brisco County Jr. Really?
0: It seems right up your alley.
1: It does, doesn't it? Right? Bruce Campbell and everything and never watched it not that I was like, oh, I I'm never going to watch this." Just like the the opportunity never uh, never presented itself. Same thing with Burn Notice. Like I'd I'd like to watch that at some point. He's a not the main character, but he's a prominent character on that on that show. He gets his own
0: spin-off movies. Does he? I think he gets at least one spin-off
1: movie. Like a TV movie
0: where it's just just all about his character.
1: Mm. I always liked it when he showed up on Xena or Hercules.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: Um, i only caught like one or two of those and maybe that's the only time he ever appeared but one day um well adam we did get a, a letter
0: oh that's right we did
1: uh it's from uh greg Fairholm, who has written us many times before he tried to leave us a message on our hotline uh but we we abandoned it it was a google phone number and i got tired of clicking like the link to renew it so it's gone (laughs) so now if you're listening to like old so hard (laughs) so the folks that are listening to old episodes are like i'm gonna call them who who even knows who they're going to call
0: i wonder i mean maybe it just doesn't go anywhere but maybe at some point it will go somewhere and that will be fun
1: yeah uh, somebody will ultimately get that number maybe i suppose so his message was in in relation to some confusion we had when uh wolverine uh, saved Black Widow and, and Jubilee was kind of like looking back and forth to Psylocke and then to Black Widow and then she kind of looked down and, and was like embarrassed or something or got angry, something like that. And uh, he educates us here that that this was uh, Jubilee being a little bit jealous of Black Widow and Psylocke's more developed bodies and how she was so much younger and not quite as developed yet. I was like, oh that's interesting because Jim Lee would fix that in a couple of years. So so I read this letter and
0: I, I I it's interesting because this is what I used to think before we did the podcast. It's definitely a valid interpretation, but I went back to the comic and I re I reevaluated. Um and I still think I still think our our reinterpretation of it is more accurate. <laughs> what was our what was our reinterpretation? So there's 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 three panels, mm-hmm. maybe maybe four, including the last one. There's a panel where it's a wide shot. It's got Wolverine uh, talking to Black Widow and uh, Psylocke on the right hand side, and in the middle is Jubilee not paying attention to any of them, mm-hmm. and she's doing a cat's cradle with her with her um right with her powers. Yes, and then the next panel, she. There's a close-up of Jubilee looking at Psylocke's body. Oh, and like and it's, it's just it,
1: like her thigh or something. There, it's right? her, her thigh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep, yep.
0: Which I feel like, if if the point was to, yeah, have okay. Jubilee compare with her compare with her own body, they would show her breasts, right? Because in the next panel, we have Jubilee looking down at like in in uh, my old interpretation in Greg and intention, she's looking down at her chest, right? But in the front of that panel her hands are uh is actually i feel like that's what she's actually looking at is her hands and she's noticing that the cat's cradle that she created is now gone right because i don't think she's looking down at her breasts i think she's looking at her hands right um again this is my interpretation i think the old interpretation works just as well and it used to be my old interpretation um and then the next panel she's got her hands she's kind of like Uh, got her chin in her hands and was just like, huh? Um,
1: Right. So, especially with the establishing shot of her, like kind of not really paying attention and doing a cat's cradle. Uh, But, but maybe she sort of like notices the development in Psylocke loses focus. Her cat's cradle falls apart. She's not actually checking out herself in comparison. She's just like, Oh man, my cat's cradle. But, again, before no. we
0: recorded the podcast, I thought exactly the same thing that Greg Forham, Fair, uh, sorry, Fairholm. Greg Fairholm did. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm right and he's wrong because he's probably right and I'm wrong. But it's just uh, – it's interesting. I don't know.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, if you'd like to tell us uh, how, how we're wrong about things, and we often are, uh, you can we do so, so by visiting us. I know that's pretty much uh, visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com going out to facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast twittering us at danger room go email danger room at xmenpodcast.com go out to itunes subscribe to us give us some some stars give us some reviews uh you know or whatever um <laughs> And uh, you can go out to www.patreon.com forward slash Danger Room where we talk about a lot of the modern X-Men such as Dawn of X. And I imagine we'll be talking about the Ten of Swords soon. Uh, In addition to that, we we do like to cover uh, pop culture, movies, and television shows. For example, spoilers, we're going to be talking about the four-hour edit of Batman Justice League of America (laughs) <laughs> whatever the hell it's called the snyder cut uh and everybody on the internet's already done it so so it'll be a wide open void for us to come back and be like wait 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 we got something to say too yeah as usual we're yeah like three <laughs> behind. Uh, you know there's so many uh like youtube and podcasts uh, not so much podcasts but youtube shows where they, they they gotta get in like right away like we just watched the movie and now we're gonna talk about it yeah and i like to like I like to stew on it a little bit. Marinate sort of a little bit. Exactly. And I don't need, we, we're never the first. <laughs> uh, but I don't want to be the first. I want, to, I want to think about it. But I also try to stay away from all those people that are the first because I don't want sort of my interpretation spoiled by uh, sort of other folks' thoughts. So I haven't watched any material on the Snyder Cut
0: Um, I watched the Red Letter Media review before I knew that we were going to be talking about the Snyder Cut, so I blame you for not letting me know earlier.
1: Well, that sucks, because I'm sure I haven't watched that. I will watch it once we get done talking, but I'm sure some of your thoughts may be... Informed by that, but maybe not. Maybe it's been long enough that you or maybe forgotten all of it. Maybe my thoughts
0: were the same as they always would have been, but now I won't know whether or not they're informed.
1: Right, and that's that's the trick. Right, that's why I just avoid all of that because if I happen to say the same thing as somebody else, I don't want people to be like, "You just copying." Blah blah blah. I want to be like, "No, legitimately." Like,
0: I'm going to go back and rewatch I just that a second. video. <laughs> And then I'm going to um, – Just say exactly whatever. I'm just going to copy down. I'm going to transcribe something that one of them says, yeah. and I'll just like say that as my whole thing. Perfect. Nice. See if anybody catches on. Yeah. Yeah. I like this plan.
1: Have you been watching Invincible?
0: I watched the first episode.
1: Oh, okay. Well, whatever you've watched in the, the time between now and when we record that, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of Invincible.
0: Okay. And I definitely have not watched anybody's videos on that, so I will be –
1: Me neither. I don't know if any videos exist. I mean, there must be some, but probably spoilers. Yeah, I'm
0: not. I'm not seeing any either.
1: Spoilers. I love it. More to come on the Patreon. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, Uh, that's all I got, Adam. You got anything else? No, I don't have anything else. Uh, Wrap her up. Okay. Uh, Until next time, my name's Jeremy. Wrap her up. Where does that come from? I I just Uh, roll with it.
0: (laughs) My name's Adam.
1: And the danger room is closed. (laughs) the wrap boys <laughs>